Hi, this is Michael Waits, and welcome back to the Asia Tech Podcast. Today, we are joined by Kirill Bratchenko, the Managing Director of Novation Academy. Kirill, thank you so much for doing this. Before we get into like the deeper part of this conversation, why don't you give our listeners a little bit of your background for some context? All right. So I'm based in Cambodia right now. I came to Cambodia in 2007 for one year contract job in telecom. And then that one year became two years, three years, four, five. And this year, it will be 16 years since I'm in Cambodia. Originally, I'm from Ukraine. It's a quite famous country right now for not so good reasons. But anyway, I've been in Cambodia for almost half of my life. I was working in telecom initially, and then I uh, started my IT company here for the past 11 years. I was doing IT. A few years ago, I got interested in aviation, which became my hobby. And uh, last year, I started this flight training school in Cambodia, the first and only flight training school as of now. And um, I'm trying to raise it. I'm trying to grow it, and I try to bring it forward, hoping it will be successful business. In the same time, I still manage my IT company in parallel. So, yeah, busy days. So when I when I first joined Morgan Stanley in Tokyo in 1990, I mean, I was on a ostensibly a two-year contract, but I kind of expected it to go for much longer, right? Because I had studied Japanese in college. But a bunch of the guys that I got sent out with, some of them were literally like you, like on a one-year or a six-month project. And most of them ended up staying for at least 10, some of them 15 years. What was the tipping point for you where you said, you know what, I'm not going home. I'm not leaving here. I didn't expect to be here this long, but I think I want to stay in Cambodia. I don't think there was really a tipping point. I think it was the combination of things. So just imagine, I'm almost freshly graduated, just maybe one or two years after graduation. I come here single, young, I have fire in my eyes. It's a very interesting work. It's a very interesting country. I mean, back in the days, it's much higher salaries than back in my countries. And I got already immediately as expat, I got senior position. So it was just interesting. You know, my initial intention when I was living in Ukraine was to come here, make some money, go back and build my life in Ukraine with that money. But, well, the more I stay here, the I got promoted, I got, I, I, I grow up with a company, I, the salary increase, the position increase, the responsibility increase, the work get more and more interested, there is more and more things to do. So there was no simply any reason for me to go back. I mean, seriously. And mostly my friends who I used to work, even those short two years in Ukraine where I had some work, most of my friends also moved out. So there was nothing really holding me back. So last time I visited Ukraine in 2010, and that's it. I never been there ever since. So, wait, did you say the last time you visited was Ukraine in 2010? Yes, that's exactly true. I was there last time in 2010. So that's interesting because so the last been, the, the, I was going to say the last time I was in the United States was also 2010. That's now almost 13. It'll be 12 and a half years ago because it was in August, and I'll probably be back in August of this year, maybe. But it's been a long time. Do you remember like yes. when your family stopped asking you, when are you coming home? <laughs> well, uh, my family is quite small. I don't have brothers and sisters. So actually my family never asked me and uh, my mom, because I only have mom, she was o- always against me coming back, which as the time shows, it was very... She's smart. 
very smart and honestly even for her she she didn't see really futures there i mean i know it's maybe not really patriotic but you know not everyone is ready to not everyone is ready to be there some people just want to build a life so my family also moved out they are now with me in cambodia so i don't really have any connection to ukraine anymore unfortunately of course uh, with the current situation uh you really want to my citizenship i'm i'm still uh said about loss of life and destruction but yeah. it's not uh, as much as about uh, country itself more about people i got it i got it yeah there was never a call like okay come back home and uh, because nobody asked me that and my mom was very happy that i i grew up here and she doesn't really want me to come back good for you yeah i mean i've got a brother and two sisters and a bunch of cousins and stuff and i think it took like seven years before they were like are you coming home and then i just started answering them i am home because that's really how i felt when i was in japan i was in japan for 22 years and i just felt like now i am home and i'm, I'm not going back there you said you were working in telecoms but then you started your own tech company what was the impetus for starting the tech company there in cambodia was there just a massive market gap that you were trying to fill it was okay i put it this way it was absolutely stupid and reckless decision which went into success i mean seriously <laughs> Why? Uh, yeah so basically what was happening i was working in telecom and then our company was acquired by another telecom player and i joined that and after after working year, uh, a year there and it's back in the days it was what it was already six years working in telecom i started to get burned out and yeah. um, there was another issue is that the salary got quite high and uh, I think I start to feel too comfortable and I'm like okay I I'm too tired I want to take a break this and that and I'm like okay I have this brilliant idea awesome idea to start my own business which would be energy savings electricity savings it was so expensive in Cambodia let me go and try and help companies to save electricity that one failed absolutely miserably so that never happened that never worked maybe i did it wrong uh, but honestly speaking even now i don't see much there is a potential but without government regulation it doesn't work so even until now i don't see anyone really succeed in that industry i don't there are some small players but but anyway my tech business which it business started by by really pure luck there were a few friends who were working in companies back in the days and they asked me hey our company need some electronic things from eBay and we cannot buy directly because it's like it's a personal thing so can you can you buy can you buy it for us and just like ship it here and sell that's how I started I love this again can I share another story with you yeah go ahead I grew up in this town on the on the ocean in the United States Hull Massachusetts and one of my parents friends that they grew up with frankly was what we would have called back then a tinkerer in the electronics space. And this is a long time ago. This is the 1970s. This is like 50 years ago. We would go to his house, and there were always all these products all over the place. It never seemed like the guy had a job. It never seemed like he cared. All I remember was this giant fish tank in his house. But he found this one product, and people would come by to his house, just like you were saying, and just say, hey, can you get me four of those? Like, I don't even think he intended to turn this into a business, but I don't know because I haven't asked him. Anyway, he turned this into a massive business. He started buying real estate in Massachusetts. Like the dude got so rich and so successful, kind of the same way that you started with two people just asking him, can you get me two of those and four of those? Anyway, how is business now in your IT business? 
Well, it it slowly went. I mean, first I would say first three, four, five years were really tough. Like countless times, I was thinking go going back to office, close all this, and just like I mean, it's hard work. That's right? it. I'm done. As a, <laughs> I cannot do it anymore. It's uh, it's tough and it's not going anywhere. I don't see any prospects, and um, I'm not sure if it's going to succeed or not. But we we slowly, I slowly crawled from the. You know, the beauty of being on the very bottom, there is only way up. So yeah. you cannot, you just fall. And you know, it was a very big uh, step out of comfort zone. I was working telecom with a good salary. I had a lot of savings. I burned through all of it. I had to sell my cars, and I went like in financially, I went basically square one. Uh, compared to me coming to Cambodia and I was quite stupid about it. So anyway, I crawled out, out of that and uh, we started, uh, we, we were selling some components and then we went into doing cabling, CCTV and slowly we went to the call centers, IT products and we slowly, slowly grow from it. So we are now uh, in quite good position in the market. I would say top five among my competitors. So we have a team of uh, 70 people and uh, wow. we're dealing all the major product. We're all dealing all, all the major pro- products, you name it, Oracle, HP, IBM, Huawei, VMware, Red Hat. So we are solution provider. We are system integrator and uh, we're working with many big companies and telecom and even my ex-employer, also our customers. So yeah, not without challenges. It's, I cannot say my wife is easy now and I can chill. No way. But uh, yeah, we overcome the initial initial growth stage and now we are in a stable development, I would say. I don't think anybody that wants to build a company really ever wants to just relax and chill. I just don't think it's in their blood. I mean, I try every now and then and I just can't do it. Like sitting by the pool and I'm like, okay, four minutes, I'm done. I got to go get something. I got to go accomplish something. I'm pretty sure you're the same way. When you left your telecom job, your corporate job, right, and you went out to start your own thing, is there a community of people, whether they're locals or foreigners or both, in Cambodia that supports this, whether it's even just building an SME or a fundable venture capital-style company? Is there an ecosystem there that's either growing or, or getting built? And how is it different than when you arrived 16 years ago? Yeah, I'll put it this way. So when I left and do my own business 11 years ago, my main mistake was that, I mean, it's not my main, it's not a really my mistake. The problem is I'm an introverted person. So uh-huh. networking is difficult for me and I have zero idea how to do it properly. And I, and I didn't do it. So I didn't have any network. So even if 10 years ago, this, the, what you asked me existed, I have zero idea about it and I wouldn't even approach it because I, I just didn't know. Right now, sure, there at this moment, there are plenty of communities like that. There are plenty of startups talking, uh, SME support. Is it some? I, I never tapped really into it, but there are plenty of them. There is even like some tech accelerators here connected with uh, some US venture funds. A lot of talking, but I'm not, I don't really know uh, enough to tell you, but it is here. It is. It definitely exists right here. There are even few local tech startups here, which are trying to grow into region as well. There are a few really good ones. So yeah, it definitely exists. It definitely exists with a, a lot of foreign consultants with a good experience. So if you want to come to do tech startup in Cambodia, wow, of course you can do it definitely for sure. There will be a lot of support. I was in Phnom Penh, I think it was in 2000 and actually a couple of times over the last few years. I'd like to come back. 
I think there was a, a small accelerator that I visited called A Small World and a few other of the startups there. I also visited some of the NGOs that were there. Anyway, really interesting. And I'd just like to get information from people that are on the ground. You said that aviation was your hobby. Was it one of these things where you've like always wanted to fly? So do you yourself fly? Do you have a pilot's license? Okay, first of all, I don't have pilot license. That's the reason why I made the school to get my own license. I'm, I'm the the first student i mean seriously second of all five years ago okay not five maybe yeah five six years ago i was scared to fly i was like every time i go to plane i would sweat and i would uh, you know every time i take off and make some moving sound i was like i had this uncontrollable fear you yeah. know but this so because I need to fly quite often and I feel really uncomfortable, I decided to dig into my mind and figure out what's going on. I mean, I don't really feel comfortable about it. So I decided to figure out what's going on. So later on, I figured out after some time that my fear of flying was from lack of control. So yeah. you, you're not in control. That's why, you, you know, I also feel uncomfortable being passenger in the car in general, unless I'm on a, on a, on a rear seat and I don't really look on the road. Anyway, out of... Fear of flying and fear of control. I first went in to read about what air crashes because I want to know why they happen, what to expect, right? So I read about all of them through all Wikipedia, whatever articles. So once I figure out how air they happens, I start to get interested. Wow! So how did it actually work? How how does plane fly? What's inside? What's the system? So I went really into this rabbit hole for a few years. I read a lot of information. And then, okay, flight sim at home, you download a game, I start to fly with a mouse and keyboards, and wow, that's uncomfortable. Let me get some, some joystick and whatever. And then it went just like that. So at the end of the day, I have a lot of time in my flight sim, and I decided, okay, I want to have my own, I want to fly, I want to fly for myself. I don't want to work as a pilot, but I really want to get my private license. It come to the point, and I start to look around how to get in Cambodia because I mean, going for two three months in US, I can't do it, but it was not viable due to work. Yeah. So I start to look around and ask people, how can I get it in Cambodia? People say no, there is no academy. And when I ask why, they say just because. So my next question was, can can it be done? Yes, it can be done. You need this, this, and that. And then when I when I write it all on a paper, and it just it looks possible to me, you know, uh, not easy, but definitely possible. I made some business plans, some calculation, find some partners, and that's it. Here we are. We started officially. I mean, it's one year since we actually registered the company and we official operations started in September. We already have students right now. And I mean, okay, even not counting me, we have other students as well. So, uh, so far it's working, but I'm not sure if it's going to be successful. But my bottom line is I'm going to get my own license. It's probably going to be most expensive license in the world considering all the investment made, but I'm going to get it anyway. I love so it. So bottom line. Wait a second though, but where do Cambodia, because there's a national Cambodian airline, there's got to be a Cambodian Air Force. Where do these Cambodian pilots learn to fly? Philippines, US, New Zealand. So nobody has ever, has built yet. And let's be fair, right? There was a massive war and destruction in Cambodia in, in the 70s and probably into the early 80s, right? So there was a lot of stuff going on there. But in the last 40 years, nobody's built a flight school. Did you feel like this was just another opportunity for you to prove just how crazy you were? I mean, all this stuff that you've done, you're just like, yeah, never mind. I'm just going to do this one thing. 
And I know you said you did it to get your own license, and we'll talk about that in a second too. But when you went around looking for people to partner with, were they like, there's a reason why no one's done this and it's just going to be too hard? Or were people like, hey, that's a great idea? Actually, technically, there is one more academy, technically, but uh, they are attached to airlines. So they're training, they only can train pilots for themselves. Got it. So they cannot train like just a general pilot. They cannot do private pilots. They only can train pilot for themselves. So I went into it first to see how I can get something. And this is where I met some people who actually joined me later. Because you see, there is innovation. I have knowledge, but I don't have enough knowledge because a lot of technicalities and a lot of regulations. So I don't have enough knowledge to handle that. But that's why I find partners who can do it for me. But in general, it was a lot of support. Uh, from everyone. Why? Because, you know, when you're first, everyone is excited. And even government, they want to have school here because whenever they go for international meetings, everyone asking them, hey, do you have a school? Why not? And blah, blah. Another thing is, you know, Cambodia has been growing very rapidly. Over the past 10 years, the growth was tremendous. I witnessed it. I mean, over the past 20 years, it was like almost double-digit growth every year, but it, it was really great. Now Cambodia, like like a startup, consider country as a startup, we're facing growth challenges, growth pains. The country grow, economy grow, but uh, the HR situation, the people uh, education did not catch up yet in certain areas. So I see this as opportunity to, first of all, to get my own license. Second of all, to go into somewhere where nobody else is here. Right. Third region, there is a demand in a region, Cambodia. It's too small to be to really grow. I mean, you can grow a successful business, but limited on scale. But the region is huge. The Asian region have great potential. And also, I think it's a great opportunity for Cambodians as well. I mean, before, if you want to be pilot, you need to go and stay abroad for a couple of years and that, all this and that. Now, please do it here and then join local airline and then just grow from. And even if you don't want to join local airline, go and work abroad. I mean, still, it's a great opportunity. And I think all these factors combined together can make it really successful. Can you talk a little bit about what the regional opportunity looks like as well? This is the thing that's really interesting to me, right? So in the United States, based on some of my friends who have their own pilot's license, you know, there are small airports everywhere. You can fly and Teterboro, New Jersey is not that small, but you can fly from there up to Poughkeepsie. I've done that flight. You can fly all over the United States into small places. There's all this open land. I have to presume in Cambodia that that's kind of similar, not that there are a ton of small airports, but that there could be, and that there could also be regionally as well. I'm curious what that regional expansion or that regional opportunity looks like to you sitting in Cambodia. I want to separate into two this answer into two because um, please when I say it by regional opportunity I mean I mean the first it's for flight school uh, so basically in a re- because our license it's international license it doesn't matter you get it in Cambodia you still can work in Malaysia or yep. Thai or Vietnam you just need to validate it so there've been reports from Boeing and Airbus which says that this region also of course including china will require 200,000 students within next decade oh sorry pilots 200,000 200, within 000, next 10 200,000 pilots yes That's exactly pilots. they ahead. did this proje- yes they did this projection based on aircraft orders and growth and everything this is account after covid this projection was 2024 2044 something like that so it is already after covid they expect even if this number is half true, it's still 100,000 pilots. Right. And 
so it's a it's a huge amount you know and um we are aiming for first year to have 25 30 students so you see that our number and the demand is uncomparable so that's why i see that uh, there is a big potential in this region and also i can see that in other countries in a region it's quite difficult to get it then second part about regional opportunity actually my dream that's and that's just crazy dream to be honest is to go beyond the school what you described exists in us absolutely does not exist in asia no. absolutely there is like zero general aviation nobody knows what is it but there is a huge population there is economic growth so there is a potential for general aviation and this is something i want to tap into so of course for now our school will be focused on commercial pilots but i want to go beyond that i want to go into small aircraft private pilots small small aircraft sales maintenance storage i want to build it all around academy flying club skydiving you name it private jets and then go from that and so everything except airlines i want to deep into it of course it will be challenging i'm not sure if i can do it but that's my dream i want to have the full community full ecosystem around general aviation in asia not only in cambodia so i mean you've now just opened up my mind to this massive opportunity I was just going to ask you, you're going to build more schools, build more locations and do all this other stuff. But the idea here is that you could actually build a pretty strong because it, it, you're building from scratch, right? In other words, the development of the small airports and the regional airports in the United States took place over, you know, a hundred and something years, right? That's all going to be accelerated here. But you literally have the opportunity to build a, a tech platform that then connects all of these airports, all the private pilots, all of the sales, all of the insurance, all of the finance. Like, this is a massive opportunity if you're thinking at that scale. Is that what you're planning on doing? Potentially. Again, this is a crazy dream. This is a crazy dream because you see... I look at it from the exciting, exciting point of view as a hobby because I want to see more people flying because yeah. I think it's really great. And from another point of view, I, I look at it as a practical as business. You see, if we have our own private charter airlines and our students can get a job immediately, right? We just hire them, right? It's a first. If we have flying club, then our private pilot graduate can apply their skills and generate additional revenue, right? If we have all that, then we also need to have the maintenance company to serve all those aircrafts, right? And then if we have all, all this aircraft sales, whatever, what do we need? We need the storage, right? And if you have your own private jet and you fly maybe five hours a month, why don't you lease it to us and we we just sell it to other people and make money for you and for us as well? So and I'm not inventing anything new. This has been existing in US and Europe for ages already. It's just yep. I just want to build it here. Can I do it? I'm not sure, but will I try? Or oh, definitely I will. Academy is the first step. It's a, it's just a tap into it. And let me be honest, why I started from Academy? Because among all of other type of aviation activity, the Academy is the cheapest one so far. So that's, that's why I started it. Talk to me about your own learning. What does it feel like for a guy who is afraid to fly to build an Academy so that he can get his own license? Have you been up like, what's the status of your of your license right now? Have you started your own training? Have you been up in a plane? Have you done all that stuff? I haven't been in a plane yet, unfortunately. Uh, that's uh, we have some we have some challenges about planes. So because of this, you know, recent supply chain issues, whatever, our plane is delayed manufacturing. But hopefully, we're gonna get it in uh, in coming months, and then I can get up to it. I am now in a stage of learning theory, so you know, it's a uh, 
I do have a few hundred hours in SIEM, so I technically I know how to operate a plane, but that does not count officially. So I'm going from zero and I'm now uh, studying theory. And after I finish theory, I have to complete nine exams with a, with a government appointed examinator. And only after that, I can jump into plane. So I mean, as a student, of course, as a passenger, I can, I can fly in our aircraft because we have the instructors and everything. Right. So hopefully... We'll have first flight somewhere in the coming months, but that I don't think is going to really count as my student practice. But eventually, my goal is by end of this year to get my private pilot license. I'm just amazed. Like I said, a couple of buddies of mine have their pilot have their pilot's license. I was up in a plane. Wow, when I was in college, I mean, I was broke, but this guy's family had a plane, so he took us again from New Jersey to upstate New York. It was pretty amazing, and it wasn't a big plane. It was a small. I think it was a four seater. But I think that there is the potential in this region for culturally for people that are wealthy, that have excess resources to instead of just buying a super fancy car to kind of go past that and buy a, a plane, right? You don't have to buy a $25 million plane. You can buy a $500,000 plane and plenty of people are spending that for their cars. But to build out the infrastructure around that just sounds like such an exciting opportunity. I'm, I'm curious about, you have 25 students, you said, can you characterize what those students are or all of them from Cambodia or some of them locals or some of them internationals like tell me what these people are like let, let me put it this way we have eight students now and we want to have 25 we designed for 25 right now it's eight um, not I'm, I'm not counting myself so one is foreigner and uh, all others are local Cambodians so they came to us we did the advertisement for private pilot license so two of them came to us through that advertisement and they actually now studying commercial pilot license. Wow. So we, we really technically never did advertise commercial pilot license, but they went through that advertisement and asked if they want to be commercial, if they can learn. So they sign up for commercial and uh, five others are private pilot. So uh, one of them is also foreigner and others are locals. So for commercial pilot, two guys, one is a, like really freshly graduate. The guy his students he's 18 years old local guy he just want to be a pilot and he just dreamed to work in airline and whatever so it's a pretty good dream as a guy he been he's uh he's foreigner been in cambodia working in different positions and he just want to change his career he thinks that uh pilot is something for him so he basically like he want to abandon what he's doing now and become the pilot but it's actually a very good approach he has a job now so he, he combines a job with a study. So he gets his bills paid and uh, then he study Because, you know, studying a commercial pilot will take you 14 to 16 months if you really push hard. But yeah. usually it might even take longer. So longer. you need to have a job many times unless your family can support you. So or you're wealthy. As a guys for private pilot, it's uh, wealthy businessmen here who just have the money and who just want to study it. And then... Some of them want to have their own plane. Some of them just, okay, I just want to take something for rent and fly with my friends and then just uh, I don't want to own them. And uh, there is one guy who is also a foreigner. He's just an uh, aviation enthusiast. So he even have his own planes here, but it's like in a, how to say, it's a self-assembled plane. So he wants to get license so he can fly them eventually, but it's it will be one journey. So we're also trying to help him on that. So yeah, that's a, that's approximate profile. So before I let you go, I just want to ask you this. Do you think this is a, from your perspective, right? Do you think this is a fundable business? Because if you build out all the other components that you think you're going to build, it feels like this could be really, really large, no? 
Well, I put it, I, I, I'll give you this idea. Yeah, I told you the digits before, right? I yep. told you 200,000 students, right? Yep. Two, let's assume half of it is true, right? We're talking about 100,000 students for region. Yep. And I, I want to include China here as well, right? Um, let's take, we take 1,000 per year, right? We, you need to make 10,000 per year, but let's let's assume we, we can do 1,000 per year. Okay, let's assume even 100 per year, right? 100 per year, $80,000 per student. It's $8 million a year revenue. It's 100 per year. And it's a huge operation. 100 students per year, you need to have 20 plus planes. You need to have multiple sims. You need to have 30, 40 instructors. So it's a huge operation and it's only 100 students. And we need 10,000 per year, right? It's actually, there is a huge opportunity line and it's definitely fundable business because, okay, I'll put it this way. The business model is self-funding, but for the faster growth, of course, external funding will just speed it up. And if we want to build, uh, I mean, if we want to go beyond the school, if we want to do the flying club, if we want to do the maintenance company, of course, external funding would really help because it will just make it faster. But there is also something else which uh, I didn't mention. We, our plan as an academy is also to go for helicopter training as well. So there is a huge demand. There is right now around 20 helicopters in Cambodia and there is like three helicopter rental companies. It's the first thing. And another one is seaplanes. You know, we are in a region where is Vietnam and the Thai have multiple, multiple luxury islands and there are seaplanes flying for private charters, but they only can train in the US. That's, so in my opinion, I don't, maybe I'm subjective because it's my business. It's the opportunities are huge. And I think this will become bigger than my IT business eventually. And even I, I will be at some point where I have to choose which one I, I attend to because I cannot handle both. I hope so. I hope so. Okay. Look, that's a killer way to end. You know, we had somebody from the seaplane business on last month. We, we published an episode with Dennis Keller from seaplane Asia. We, we know as well, we think that that's a big opportunity too. But we think what you're doing is a large opportunity as well. Anyway, I really appreciate your time. Carol Brachenko, the Managing Director of Innovation Academy, and frankly, so much more. I really appreciate you doing this. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, and uh, we stay in touch. And uh, it was a pleasure to talk to you. And I hope we can talk again sometime soon. Absolutely.